This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico. I'm joined by my co-host, Sam. And today we're discussing a very, very, let's say, interesting book called Finite and Infinite Games, written by James Cars. Yeah, I think to say that the book is, can be confusing would be an understatement. Don't you agree, Sam? Yes, quite. <laughs> you could say it could be infinitely confusing, depending on how much you think into it. But there's a lot of clarity in things. It's just... It could have given you much easier to digest examples within the book. Also, I think it depends on how you read it. I think if you you have a lot of time and you were to like read the physical book and sort of spend a lot of time with each sentence and think about it very deeply, you might sort of have some good brain waves and sit around digesting it. But maybe you need like two weeks to just sort of do nothing else but like sit with this book and think about life. But to try and just sort of digest it quite quickly is a bit... There's a lot to take on, but it's, it's very cool. It's like, you know, um, when you take like, so those big steps back from like everything you normally think about and go mm-hmm. to grand thinking, it's good. The book feels like the entrance of a very, very, very deep rabbit hole. You know? Yes. It's like, how deep do you want to go? How much are you willing to spend? Or how much effort do you want to put into understanding everything that the book talks about? Yeah, and it's not like a rabbit hole that, when, it's not like looking at an optical illusion where once you see the other side, you're just permanently on the other side. You sort of have to actively always be trying to see the other thing. You can't just sort of spend time in the other thing when uh, on the difficult section. And then some of it you do get straight away, I feel, which hopefully mm-hmm. we'll be able to bestow on to listeners. <laughs> just sort of some of the permanent things. Well, it just keeps on giving different examples of like, you are not learning to drive a car. You are learning to drive as a car or something. And you're just like, wait, who, what? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway. There are definitely some mind-blowing quotes in there that you're like, what? What did I just read or what did I just hear? Well, yeah, let's, uh, let's start with a very short summary of the main points, Sam. So essentially, finite and infinite games is the basis of there are two kinds of games. One finite, the other infinite. And a finite game is played for the purpose of winning and an infinite game for the purpose of continuing play. So it goes on infinitely. And for a finite game, you need to have like boundaries, like rules or spatial boundaries. And like, there's a, there's an agreed end point and fixed rules of how you will win. And you have to be playing against someone. Whereas an infinite game has no boundaries in time or space and you can play it by yourself. And essentially, even though, well, an infinite game cannot be played within a finite game. But a finite game, you can have infinite finite games within an infinite game. The way I, I look at it is, uh, for example, the game of chess. So there is games of chess where two people play against each other. And then there's the game of chess, which has no end, mm. no beginning. Yeah, the yeah. number of participants always changes. There's no one who can win the game of chess, but you can win a game of chess. And so all the games of chess are parts of the game of chess. But the game of chess is not a part of any one game of chess. That's the way I I, I like to try to understand it. Yeah. And when we're talking about games, it's not just about 
games like chess or monopoly it's about everything you do essentially is some form of game like in life there's always some form of rules and you're making them up or they are made up and so the the only real infinite game ever is like the game of existence and that's bounded by the laws of nature and so everything within that is just sort of stuff that you've made up so let's say you want to spend time with your kids so there's a nice example that okay you want to play monopoly with them so if you have like a finite mindset you'll like you'll just play by the rules of monopoly with your kids and you'll probably beat them and then they probably don't want to play monopoly with you anymore after a few goes so you actually stop spending time with your kids because you played the finite game whereas if you play the more infinite game you'll play monopoly and pretend to play with the rules yourself but actually you'll let them win sometimes so you get to carry on playing with your kids and spending time with them so that's having a more infinite mindset about what you're doing essentially which um that's, i think that's a great point yeah, yeah that's that's for me for me that's actually the main takeaway from the book for me the main takeaway for the book is not so much being able to distinguish finite and infinite games and saying okay, this is a finite game this is an infinite game i think the takeaway for me is more how you approach the things you do and the mindset you mm. have do you see Definitely. what you're doing as a finite game and do you approach it in that way or are you an infinite player and are you just trying to prolong the play in general? And I think a good example, which is non-traditional games related, is your career. The point of your career is, for some people at least, to have an, a certain amount of money or a certain position in the company. For others, is to find a purpose and to keep going towards that purpose, I guess. And yeah, so yeah. fighting for a promotion with colleagues, for example, or fighting might be the wrong word, but um, trying to get one position with another, a bunch of other applicants is a finite game in the infinite game of a human, human's career, for example. And so that you can, you can look at the world and a lot of what humans do or what we do as some parts are infinite games and some parts are finite games. And I think that's, that's, that's a very interesting take at, at these kind of things. Mm. And I think it relates a lot into like, fixed and growth mindset as well as in you sort of think you have like inequalities or okay i'm going to get to this point where i have this certificate and then i'm good at this but it's like it's always an infinite level of how much further you can get mm-hmm. or like okay we're going to do this book review on finite and infinite games so we'll be able to talk about finite and infinite games but actually we're going to learn about how to do a podcast we're going to learn how to make better notes we're going to learn how to talk to people about these things and there's a bunch of infinite layers of other levels that we're kind of learning and like growing ourselves by doing this is not just because I want to be good at talking about finite and infinite games. Yeah. For me, it's, it's a lot about the growth mindset because if you do something competitively, let's say you're um, a competitive chess player, because I think chess is, is a nice, simple example. If you compete with someone, if you do a match, a game, if you play a game of chess, for me, there's two ways you can approach it. You can either approach it from the point of view, okay, I want to win this game. Mm. Or you can approach it, I want to use this game to become a better chess player. And for me, these are two different ways of looking at chess, uh, or at a chess game in general, and at competitive endeavors as a whole. Because if my goal is to win every game of chess that I can, one easy way for me to do this is to play against people who are not as good as me. Mm. And I would win all every game of chess. However, in order to become a better player, to become a better chess player, I need to lose once in a while. And the more I lose, the more I learn. Because 
if you play with someone beneath your level, you're not going to learn a lot. If you play against someone who's, who's better than you, you're going to learn way more. And so I think that's, that's where the, the finite and infinite mindset uh, plays into the growth, mi- growth mindset for me. Yeah, I think it's a really important point that it just has many interpretations of like how you can think about it, I guess, which is where it starts to become a bit more mind boggling. But so are there any major themes you wanted to discuss? Because there's, there's quite, there's like, it's, it arranges chapters and themes, but it's a, it's a weirdly constructed book. It's kind of just like a set of like rules and goes rule number 47. And then it just tells you like a bit of a rule of how a game can be played. And then it goes mm-hmm. rule number 48. And you're a bit like, what, what, who? But I don't want to say the book's bad. <laughs> it's really, it's really good. It's like levels of thinking and stuff, but yes. Yeah. For me, I think the, the concept right. of finite and infinite games is are the main concepts that I could took away from the book because indeed the book goes way more in depth. And if you want to have a good grasp of the book, you need to be prepared to read it at least three times. I would say if you would just read it once, you're going to grasp some, some aspects, but if, if you want to have a thorough understanding, you're going to have to read it uh, some more times. And so for me, I'm, I'm currently at like level one out of 10 of understanding the book. And that's the part of you have finite and infinite games. Uh, but, I, but I liked what you said when you said that like, you can look at the concepts from different point of views and you can use them differently because in my research for the book, so I read the book and then afterwards I was like, this was so confusing. I need someone to talk about this and explain this to me. So I, I looked up some other podcasts, some other speakers that discussed the books, the book. And there I saw that some like people can look at the book and understand the book is in so many different ways, which is for me, I think a good thing, especially for this kind of book. Mm. Um, and yeah, that gives it those infinite ways of <laughs> of understanding it. it. Yeah, and one thing I found noteworthy. So I, I listened to an interview with the writer, the author. And so the author, his name is James Cars. He is um, university professor of history and literature at the University of New York. And in his interview, he was talking about the way he teaches, and he says that for me, for him, a good class is when the students go outside the class mm-hmm. with questions more than answers so he his lectures are meant to be thought-provoking where students like his dream is that a student goes out of the class talks to other students and says okay you want to grab a coffee or a beer so we can discuss what we just learned and so he wants to get people thinking and i had the impression that that is that is exactly the way he approached this book as well because this book is not a um not your standards explanatory book which explains concepts and gives 10 different examples so you really grasp it he explains a very high level concept and then wants you to think about it and to understand it in your different way and perhaps in different ways like to understand it in different ways over different points of 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 views and and time Mm. yeah and it's worth noting that the book is really old i think he wrote it like 40 years ago or something and it's uh it's written or published in 1986 if i'm not mistaken it's yeah. older than us now. Yeah, it's but it's got some nice things. I think then you can apply it a lot to like people, but then when you start applying it to sort of business and other stuff, it makes sense. Or culture, as you know, it talks about, like a culture is sometimes opposed by suppressing its ideas, but like that's bound to fail because it sort of limits creativity with like what it's trying to actually produce at the end. Which is the same with like a person. As in, if you put too many rules on you and you don't let yourself grow, it you you're just being like finite and we have like all this culture and like society where we sort of, we just, we define how we're going to be. And then we sort of don't allow the infinite nature of change and future growth and stuff. And so we kind of put ourselves into the problems like we are with the massive societal issues today and 
being unable to deal with like the current problems because we're playing the wrong games. And so if you think about like like capitalism and everything, we're sort of driving the games to sort of dictate how we want to win at the game of life, but it's not actually the best way to win at the game of life currently because it means that we should be sort of making oil and all these things that aren't helpful and are causing problems to the planet and causing greed and societal shifts are sort of due to the way that we have these finite games. And so if we had a more infinite game of like, okay, how do we survive better as a species and create the most happiness, we'd be playing it very differently and we sort of dictate our rules more logically if we stepped out to think about how we'd really do it, which is a useful framework to be thinking about, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fully agree. It actually makes me think about one key takeaway I can imagine for the book would be the following. I think one of the problems in politics these days is that the time that one party or one person is in power is limited. And so for them is, for example, the, the, when a president in the U.S. gets elected, they have four years. In these four years, their goal is to be reelected in the next four years. And mm-hmm. then when they finish those four years, it's, it's okay, up, up to the next person. And it's the same in Belgium where I live. I mean, people are elected for a certain amount of time. And after they lose power, they don't really care what happens. And so what I see right now is that problems are pushed forward, you know? Short-term yeah, solutions yeah. are being used to, to, to fix very big problems. But because they're so short-term, they don't really fix the problem. It's like putting a Band-Aid on, on a very big gaping wound. And so Definitely. what I would say is that the system itself should be designed in such a way that all participants are forced to act as infinite players more than finite players. Yeah, so definitely playing to defeat the other, the other player rather than to be the best they can be. And that's just ultimately stupid. And <laughs> you spend so much energy doing like the wrong things. It's, yeah, it's just a massive waste of time and not helpful for anyone. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the nature of politics in our perceived fair system or democratic system or whatever you want to say and actually it's got like huge amounts of flaws it's very interesting and uh, it's a useful conversation because i think this is sort of where some of the things are heading in society as a, as a whole so kind of noticing more and more problems with what we have so mm-hmm. yeah i feel like this is is i feel like there's been like a bit of a resurgence of this book in general so when it first came out i think it did all right and then was quiet for a while then sort of getting more and more popular more recently over the last 10 years of people thinking about this in business and the same with like growth mindset and stuff becoming a bigger thing and and just all the whole politics side of things is just becoming a lot point, more poignant and relevant but probably it was relevant at the time because you know he was able Absolutely. to think about these things <laughs> so it's, you it's, always think it's, it's the right time but yeah i mean yeah. the book is a way to perceive the world and i think it's always going to be equally relevant but what i do think is that for now it's it's resurgence comes because of uh, simon sinek who wrote mm. a book called, I think, The Infinite, Infinite Player. Game? The Infinite Player. Oh, yeah, maybe. exactly. Um, yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's based on the concept that, from this book. And so that's, I think, mm. why there's suddenly a resurgence in popularity. And I do like, for me, the main takeaway from the book, Finite and Infinite Games, the one we were discussing, is from the same perspective as Simon Sinek looks at it. He, he talks about business most of the time, but it's just because a lot of people work in business so can easily imagine or understand the concepts there. And so he looks at, at business as uh, an, you, can, you can run a business with a finite mindset or you can run a business with an infinite mindset. And a finite mindset is, oh, I have to achieve these numbers by the end of this year. But the thing is that the numbers are arbitrary 
and the end of the year is also uh, also arbitrary. And so a lot of companies are managed with very short-term goals. Mm. Uh, the next uh, quarter, the next year, maybe the next two to three years. But the game of business is actually infinite. Every industry is an infinite industry. And so companies that have an infinite mindset will always do better on the long term than companies that have a short-term mindset. Yeah, as in like, if you want to be number one, what, number one at what? Like number one this year, number one in just sort of music downloads, like what is the best company kind of thing. And it's just weird arbitrary rules that you use to define that within a limit. But then he, I mean, he talks about like Apple versus Microsoft and Apple were talking about, okay, how do we just sort of make our customer the happiest as we can? Whereas Microsoft was like, how do we beat Apple? And, <laughs> and so like Apple obviously sort of has been doing much better on these things, but it's hard to sort of say exactly because they're still all both playing kind of finite games with, their profit quarters and all these things. I mean, I think it also, Simon Sinek also says that goals are not bad. They're a means of playing the infinite game of business, right? So, mm-hmm. and but honestly, I, I often, when I, when I hear these concepts, I'm trying to buy, find a way, how can I use this in my advantage? And I'd be curious if there would be a way to easily qualify the, the level of infinite mindset that a company has. So if I hear Simon Sinek uh, talk about how people think at Apple and how people think at Microsoft, me as an investor, I'd be interested to know if it would be possible to quickly qualify every possible publicly traded company and see if on the very long term, it would be um, interesting to use this matter, like the the infinite mindsetness. Yeah. Of, of a company into the investment decision where you can say like on the long term, if you're trying to beat the competition or in the long term, if you're trying to um, build a better world, world, let's say, the latter seems better because industries change, technologies influence so much of what a business does. So, but that'd be interesting for me to, to, to know, to, to see. It definitely is. And Tesla certainly doing so well because it's more sort of got a much more longer term vision mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rather yeah, exactly. than a, cool we want to make like a good car right now it's sort of like okay how do we make a car of the future that's everyone needs kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah lots of lots of big players are just trying to keep their market share instead of mm. finding ways to stay in the business for the long future yeah yeah they're still trying to focus on like profits for like yeah this quarter as we already mentioned which doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be around in like 10 years time. Mm-hmm. Any other key takeaways from your point of view? I, I just really like the sort of the double nature of the, how you look at things. So as in like a quote is in like waste is just our perception of waste. Like actually everything we generate is just a product of what we're doing, whether it's waste or like the thing that we're selling, it's all our product. So it, it depends on how we define it and whether something's good or bad is, something we label it with but we should be sort of seeing everything we do is yeah it's not sort of on the one side or the other side it's just just is and it's sort of how he talks about like so many different things as in like you do not think your own thoughts your thoughts think themselves and this kind of stuff where you're like he just has loads of these quotes that are like double back on themselves and mm-hmm. he sort of he just says a sentence and he says it like in a different way and it's kind of like constantly it's like talking to yoda but instead of him being like wise you are it's more like 
the car is not a car it's you and so, and you're just like wait who okay i think I, and it's sort of it's like it's really nice and it is like you can get an illusion the whole time that everything that's in your life is sort of, it's like the complete opposite and yeah. it was it's a good mindset to get into and i swear at the time when i was first reading it like well when i finished reading it a few days ago i sort of i started doing that with everything is in like <laughs> yeah you know talking to someone cooking it's like oh the you're not cooking your food. The food is cooking itself or something. It's just like, it's just stupid, but that wasn't really the right example, but you can kind of start doing this with stupid things. And it's yeah. interesting to just sort of try and think about it from like the opposite mindset of like, okay, it's not what you're doing. It's what is being done. And how does that do things to you kind of stuff. And it just gets you outside of your perceptions of how things are, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like the, how you're thinking because you go deeper than I did. For me, I'm like, ah, there's one straw that I managed to grasp, which is a, a not very profound understanding of one single concept. I'm like, okay, I, I've got the book, you know, I'm covered. Uh, and you're trying to go deeper. And because to be honest, infinite, the, the, the concepts of infinite and finite games are, are probably uh, 10% of the book. Uh, and it goes way deeper than this. And that's why I'm, I'm definitely going to need a, a reread in a few months. To, to perhaps go a bit deeper into into the into the book and all the concepts concepts that it discusses. For me, the first time I read the book, I felt like there was a guy with a tinfoil hat talking. You know, on the street corner, he's like, "Oh, mm. the end is near," or something like that. And yeah. it, it yeah. really like some of the quotes, like you said, you know, he, he's saying like, "If you're using a machine to do something, it's not you're not using the machine, but you are a machine, or you're part of yeah. a machine." And these kind of things. And it was just, <laughs> I was just not smart enough to grasp it. Um, or at least I didn't feel smart enough to grasp it. And it felt like, you know, it's someone crazy, crazy talk. And for me, honestly, the experience of this book was a roller coaster. First time I read it, I was like, oh my God, this was, this was terrible. Please give me another book. And then I started thinking more. I started researching more and I started appreciating it more. And so the more I think of it, the more I go into it, the more I appreciate the book and the better my perception of it becomes. And so if you had asked me to give you a score right after I finished the book, I would probably have given you like a one or two because I just, I was so confused. I didn't understand anything. And the book is so profound and it has so many layers. And now I'm finally starting to see layers and I've, I've, I've managed to pull back one layer. And so I know mm. how deep it goes. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to appreciate it way more now. It's, it's nice, nice layers. Like I quite like the, genuine travel does not have a destination travelers travelers do not go somewhere but constantly discover that they are somewhere else and, and then again it's like so i'm permanently somewhere i'm not going anywhere but i'm just in new places and, and it's like what? okay this is weird i guess kind of correct maybe and yeah it's interesting sort of ways to look at stuff or like one that sort of makes more sense instantly is that travel is not measured in distance, but in indifference. So like the motels around like airports in Frankfurt or Tokyo might be exactly the same. So that's not really different, but like it's the difference in like your own eyes of what you perceive is like how far you traveled. So if you go into the rest of Tokyo, like it's going to be bloody mental compared to Frankfurt. But if you just go to like the hotel, it's not, which is sort of like a deep and interesting way to look at things. Although it depends on, obviously, travel is technically just distance, but it's in it's sort of actually what is travel for and what's the point of it and how do you feel about it? Because mm -hmm. as in, like when I go traveling, 
I try and get involved in the culture and stuff, but I know friends that have traveled to like loads of different countries, but just on business, but all they ever spend is doing it in boardrooms in like fancy hotels. And they don't really feel like they've traveled anywhere. If they spend the entire time working and being in boardrooms, it's not really like actual travel as such. It's just being on an airport and being in a boardroom. And it's not like seeing the world of difference. Mm-hmm. The, the book goes so deep that there's so much to talk about and so much to think about that we can't, like we would need uh, 10 episodes at least to be able to discuss all the main concepts that the book uh, goes into. I, w- I would say the following. If you are interested in reading this book, be prepared to dedicate at least a reread and also some time thinking. If you just mm. want to read the book once and then get it over with, I think you're going to be disappointed. Um, yeah if you're reading it just because of other people who've read it maybe not if you read it because you're super into this kind of concept definitely and yeah and try listening to other conversations with other people or read it with someone else who's willing to have a conversation with you <laughs> absolutely if if i didn't have this podcast i would have read it and i would have cursed sam for making me read it and i would have never looked at it again but because i'm forced to discuss this on the podcast I was lucky enough to, well, I was lucky enough to be forced. And so I, I had to, to get some more information, think about it a bit more. And it started clicking more and more. So I would say if you're willing to go into the rabbit hole a bit, go, go for the book. It's, it's, it's going to broaden your, your perspective and your horizon for sure. Cool. All right. So what was your current rating then now? I would say, uh, that's a good question. Out of 10, I would give it, I'm going to say eight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a must read. I think it's, it's super interesting. It is life-changing, but the same concept, I think, for example, one of the more interesting concepts for me, at least, is um, perfectly put into the book by Simon Sinek, although I haven't read it. I'm sure mm. that it's, it, it explains it in a better way or, or a more accessible way and a clearer way with more examples. So I would say that concept alone, if you want to understand that, you can read the, the, the Simon Sinek book. However, this book just is... So, so much more high level that it's like you can spend a month on one simple book with a hundred simple rules, well, simple on one book with a hundred rules and just keep discovering new things. Yeah. That's at the conceptual level, I'd say it's a, like an eight or a nine on like a readability digestible level for fun. I'd say like a six, but mm. if I was wanting to take myself further then certainly like if I was doing my like PhD thesis or something in philosophy, it would be like a great way to really sort of unpack my mind deeply on it. Whereas a Simon Sinek, I think would be like very entry level of the same mm-hmm. concept. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, you know, I'd start with that book to sort of get it, but then this would be like, okay, how do I take myself further? And like, what can I like sit down with and really sort of sort of bathe in the, in the thoughts of weirdness. And this would mm-hmm. be the further version of it. So yeah. yes, in between the two is that overall rating, I guess, an, an eight, seven point five. <laughs> good well decided yeah. i mean it's an infinite book isn't it so it's finite there's, giving it a score is is a finite thing there's an it, infinite it, way of ways of thinking about the book i guess yeah mm. yeah well, one more point is that reading the book and listening to an interview with the author of the book got me in touch with people who are very much into mythology and philosophy to a level where they were discussing stuff and i had no clue what they were talking about not at all mm. They were like talking over my head um, so much and it made me want to be able to understand them. Mm. So it opened my mind. Well, I, I started appreciating the, the deeper levels of philosophy 
And now I kind of feel like I want to be able to understand them, which was yeah. already be uh, a victory for me. So That's I think uh, yeah. uh, we, we, we might want to put one of these kind of books uh, back on a menu in a few weeks. So we, yeah, can, uh, yeah. we can see where the well, rabbit hole goes. We have with the, the next one, Fool by Randomness, is I think a similar book to this. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm excited. But I was going to say, that's interesting because if you listen to like a lot of Jordan Peterson, he does a lot of mythology relating to philosophy. So I thought maybe you've got those things more easily, but um, apparently. Yeah, no, not really, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm more into the human psychology. I'm, I'm more interested in the human psychology part of what Jordan Peterson says more than the, yeah. um, the, sim, the symbolism. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Because he's got a lot of those lectures. And I didn't really listen to all of those, whereas like his, his book's more just on like human psychology. Mm-hmm. definitely read more of but i did find them kind of interesting but just somehow not quite interesting enough to like spend lots of time listening to more of them <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity cost is too high man yeah there's other books there's the game to read you know how to seduce women yeah which is yeah certainly an interesting one because i do go into finite and infinite games of uh, relationships and all this mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. Is... so if you if you want to get confused and start discovering layers of complexity and philosophy go for the book i would recommend it so I think that wraps up uh, this episode. For the next, we will dis- be discussing Fooled by Randomness by Nassim Taleb. Uh, very excited for that book because it's finally a bit more back to my side, which is, you know, the economy, business mm. and stuff. So uh, I'm excited for that. So uh, yeah, yeah. see you next week. Things. Ciao.